You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Yep, he's there. Greg Hectus. Hey. Jesse Gray. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right, and James Pike. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, today's special guest is brought to you by Sim Lab Racing Sim Products. They provide quality sim racing chassis to suit your sim racing needs. Check them out at sim-lab.eu and get your chassis. Uh, James Pike, let's get to know you and uh, talk about uh, your involvement in iRacing. Now, you come from a little bit different perspective. Normally, we bring drivers on. Uh, of course, you drive a bit, but you're more focused on announcing and uh, the podium uh, eSports League. So tell us uh, what you do over there and, uh, and what your role is. Well, once again, hello to everybody on the iRacers Lounge podcast, and thank you all for having me. I've been Looking forward to this one all month, so very excited to be on the air with you guys. Uh, but as Mike said, I am James Pike. I am the Chief Communications Officer at Podium Esports officially. So uh, my main two roles are to lead the broadcast that we do for the series that we have, whether or not it's the iRacers Lounge podcast oval series or a stock car challenge series that runs the cup cars on road courses the Porsche Club of America Sim Racing Series, amongst others. Uh, I will be the voice that leads the broadcasts on twitch.tv forward slash podium esports, our Twitch channel, or the iRacing Esports Network, depending on where we're broadcasting on a certain night. And then I also am responsible for all the official communications coming out of Podium. So anything you see on social media and any press releases and news articles that we post on our website and any sort of news opportunities that we have like this, uh, they go through me since I'm <laughs> I'm kind of the only one in the group that really, really cares about making sure we get the grammar right. But I've also got a background in it as well. I've got a uh, master's in journalism and I've got a bachelor's that dealt a lot with motorsports PR. And I got to work with uh, Tom Cotter way, way back in the day who did a lot of PR work for Charlotte Motor Speedway in the 80s and 90s. So uh, I'm sort of just the best qualified person in our group to run that end of podium. Well, uh, that kind of explains a lot. I mean, when um, you guys came on the scene, so to speak, there was a lot of very slick uh, promotions uh, and, and whatnot, social media, videos, uh, prom you know, promoting the league and really dr drumming up interest. And you guys got a lot of good drivers uh, right off the bat, which doesn't normally happen with brand new leagues. Uh, do you think it was related to that, you know, that big uh, push at the beginning? I think I'd be remiss not to give Gary Sexton credit. He is our chief marketing officer and the man responsible for all the graphics, all the videos, the logos and design of anything and everything podium related. So uh, Gary was the one who came up with the logo. Gary is the one who put together and edited the video. Uh, Gary helped our producer, Cisco Scaramuza, uh, put together the broadcast overlay too and did so much to make us look good and professional. But then again, we all said in the beginning, even before we announced that we were going to form in 2019, that we needed to look a little bit more professional and needed to be a little bit more professional than what you see with a lot of leagues because 
we were going for a little bit different market. We didn't really want to be just another league out there in the sea of them. We wanted to be different and we wanted to be better. And we knew we had the capability to be better because everybody within our group has some form of experience that usually goes beyond the norm of what you see with a lot of leagues, whether or not it's Cisco who's produced for race spot and, you know, did the peak broadcast last night for Darlington was the behind the scenes man for that. Uh, I've announced both with podium and with LSR TV and race spot just a little bit. So I've been on some of the bigger broadcasters coming into this. Gary's run leagues himself. Uh, DJ's been around the iRacing scene for forever. Daniel, as he'll probably kill me afterwards. So uh, just everybody here knows that we can go a step above, and we wanted to really push that from the very beginning. And I think a lot of people noticed that, and that's why we managed to get so many big names so early. Okay, and for the listeners out there who have not been involved in behind the scenes of a broadcast, uh, I, I have actually done some announcing before myself. Uh, tell us how it actually works. Uh, I know your you're actually voice is being heard, but there's somebody cutting cameras, there's overlays, there's all this other stuff going on. Can you br- briefly tell our listeners who might want to get involved in something like that, what does that look like? Well, there are a lot of different moving pieces that you have as a broadcaster. Obviously, you're going to have your feed of whatever sim you're working with. Obviously, we work with iRacing a lot here. So you'll have your iRacing feed up usually on one screen. And then you'll have some form of background program on another that handles most of the actual communications that you hear on the broadcast. So from my end, I know at any given time, I've got iRacing up on one feed I've got ATPO live timing and scoring up on another. The third will be my Discord screen, and that's what we use uh, both to announce and to chat amongst ourselves. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that when you have the broadcast going on, there's also a text feed that goes on just amongst the people on the broadcast so we can communicate to each other without being heard on the broadcast. And being able to have two avenues of communication at any given time is vital in making the broadcast look as good as they do. So there's that bit of it. Uh, I know you've got the whisper feature in TeamSpeak. Sometimes we'll hop into TeamSpeak and use that to also communicate with one another. Uh, and then I also have our Twitch dashboard up so I can see chat and you know edit titles, look at stream bitrate quality and stats and that sort of thing. Uh, and basically you end up working with no less than four screens as a broadcaster. At any given time, I know Evan Pasoko has got a pretty similar setup too when he does the peak broadcast. And I think for anybody that's at the top end of announcing and iRacing and sim racing, that's basically the ballpark. Now, uh, Cisco's setup is far more complicated. I think there are about two or three different computers that he uses uh, that uh, will flip things between all different sorts of inputs for sounds and all different sorts of inputs for video and graphics and that sort of thing. And uh, he'd be far better served explaining that himself. I know I'd never do him justice, but I know uh, there's a separate computer that he's got that handles the Discord feed that you hear on the broadcast, and then there's another computer that handles the iRacing feed, so you get the video and the graphics on that end, and those eventually get pumped together and output on the stream, and the stream is the combination of all those bits and pieces that you see in the background. Yeah, and it's what's amazing is everybody's in a different place. Uh, a different place and so uh and then something like we saw uh about uh 30 minutes ago i just watched the uh, mbc broadcast of uh the iRacing all-star event 
there's another layer on top of that when you get a broadcast like NBC who's actually putting it on cable television. And so they're taking the feed uh, that you just described, the finished feed, and they're putting their own layer on it and their own timing and scoring. And, uh, boy, it's kind of interesting to see that. I'm very curious to see what they've done to get the live timing and scoring up. I presume it's probably through some form of ATVO since that's sort of the premier timing and scoring application for broadcasters. But if you notice, uh, they've put their own overlay on top of everything. And so... Uh, just generally speaking, I know that they've got a clean feed of the iRacing uh, in-sim visuals that gets paired up and married with NBC's graphics and their overlay somewhere in there. So uh, definitely it'll be a little bit bigger budget than we have at Podium, but uh, the principle I don't think is too far removed. So just one of those interesting things that I've noticed. And yeah, no, definitely cool to see that there too. Uh, it's It's a bit tricky for me. I... I had the chance to jump in, jump in very, very early and, uh, you know, had things gone a little bit differently. There's a chance it, it may have been me on those NBC broadcasts, but uh, that's not to take away from the job that Evan does because Evan week in, week out is really, really solid and is absolutely worthy of being the peak guy because he's earned it with the way he does it. He's one of the best broadcasters in iRacing, period. And the hope is that we could put together broadcasts that, you know, at least equal peak in terms of quality. Well, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of good broadcasters in the community, and uh, it, it's something that we we don't talk about enough on this podcast, I think. And so that's one reason we wanted to have you on and uh, just kind of get some background behind that. Uh, let's let's fo- turn gears a little bit back to Podium. Uh, you guys got trucks and cars and dirt and all this stuff going on. Uh, lots of drivers. I mean, just tell us, uh, you know, like, for example, you got the Southern 500 coming up, a special event. Uh, what else is coming up that, you know, you want to tell the people about to, to watch for if they want to see one of these broadcasts? Well, we'll start with what you hit on to make sure that we cover the two main series that we have going. We've got the iRacial's Lounge Podcast Oval Series, which you all are the title partner of. Uh, and then we've got the Stock Car Challenge Series powered by iRacing iFlub. And those are our two main series for the fall that are completely podium administered and organized and put together. They alternate on Sunday nights. And in the Oval Series, we have the Class B and the Class C stock cars running multi-class oval racing. So they're on the track at the same time. And they don't compete for overall points. They just compete within their own classes. But you end up with a lot of really interesting situations because you have the power of the Class B car that allows you to just blast down the straightaways. But the trucks tend to handle so much better, at least with this current package, that you see a lot of side-by-side racing, uh, whether or not you're running in class and trying to battle somebody for position or whether or not you're trying to just make sure you don't get run over by somebody from the other class and get your day all ruined. So uh, we've had a lot of fun with that. uh, And we'll be back in the air with that September 8th from Auto Club Speedway on our Twitch channel. And then the Stock Car Challenge Series is our road series that runs the Sunday nights that the Oval Series isn't going. And that uses the Class A stock car on road courses around the world. Uh, we wanted to put together a road series with the Class A car because uh, I think we all have noticed with the Gen 6 that the Class A car puts on really, really good shows on road courses that it's high-tech enough to where it really can get around some of these places really well. We figured that taking that car to some of the big road courses in the world 
would be a really, really fun, fun thing to do that our drivers would enjoy, and I think they have. It's it's not as big as the Oval Series, but the drivers that we have involved in it have enjoyed it a lot. So uh, that can also be found on our Twitch channel. You've got the Porsche Club of America Sim Racing Series that we run on Friday nights over on the iRacing Esports Network. A big credit to Doug Atkinson, Jim Hemming, and everybody at PCA who came to us and helped put all that together. Uh, this season, we're running the 911 RSR, the GTLM car, or the GTE, depending on whether or not you care about IMSA or WC more. But we're taking that to a lot of great road courses around North America for some hour-long races with pit stops to throw in a little strategy wrinkle in there. So we do that on Friday nights. And then I can announce here and unveil on the iRacers Lounge podcast that the Daytona 500 that we did in February is officially coming back for 2020 as part of Podium Speed Weeks. So you know, we're going to expand the group just a little bit, and we're going to try and do a little bit more than the 500. The, the 500, I think, will be another big event. We had nearly 175 people sign up for the inaugural edition in February, and I would expect to see more next time, early next year, when we bring that up. So. Uh, that'll be the first thing that we can talk about for 2020 that I know we're going to do. And I imagine we're going to put together a few more series on top of that to sort of balance that out with the special events that we'll come up with. Okay. that I mean, it's getting a lot of drivers in, involved and in some good ones. I know Andrew, uh, Andrew Fayash is there and uh, several uh, fast drivers. But the, the cup car on the road course, you know, is kind of a unique combination uh, the B and the C car together, you know, a mixed class, you know, that's pretty unique. And so I think a lot of people are uh, drawn to that because it is different. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on the format. It seems to be working. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for us is that, you know, since we all are people that have experience, you know, we, we sat there, we looked at it and we're like, you know, we can do another cup series if, people want another cup series and if there's enough demand you know we're certainly open to it but we like to take a bit more of a 30,000 foot view from it all and we look down at it and we're like you know what are the best cars in iRacing right now what are the best tracks in iRacing right now and what are some really cool combos that we can come up with that you don't really see in official races that people would enjoy case in point all of the oval and the road stuff we're doing this fall. But I think some of the races in the Elite Series and the Truck Series in the spring also were sort of like that. The Elite Series went to Road Atlanta and basically became a pilot for the Road Series. We had a lot of fun there. I don't think a lot of people would expect the classy trucks to be a lot of fun at Belle Isle, for instance. But we went there with the trucks in February and had a great show. And it's that sort of thing. You know, taking the cup card to uh, hometown tracks like Myrtle Beach and the Bullring, too, that you don't really see all that much. That's really what we want to try and do. Pair the best cars that drivers like in the community with the best track and sim and put on series that drivers enjoy participating in and also put on great shows that we can promote to broadcast that broadcasters and fans alike can have fun with. All right. Well, we're so happy to have you on to tell us about that. Uh, so if are you recruiting drivers to join uh, the podium uh, esports? Uh, how do they sign up uh, or get involved? To get involved, uh, if you didn't get a season pass for either of our main series in the fall, we sold season passes at the beginning of the year. I think we might actually have one that opened up for one of the B cars in the Oval Series. But if not, uh, you can sign up on our website, podiumesports.com, for a single race pass. 
and attempt to qualify in on time for any one of our events, either the road series or the oval series. And if you're fast enough, you can come run and uh, put your chops up against some of the best drivers in oval racing and iRacing. Uh, PCA, you'd have to talk to them about that. That's sort of their own deal. Uh, and then the Southern 500, we've got registration open uh, at least for a good chunk of the week that we're recording in. I figure by the time this releases, we'll already be done with the Southern 500. But in the event that people sneak around and want to see what happens, you can head to podiumesports.com forward slash southern hyphen 500 for more information on that. And I think that should be a lot of fun. We're starting to get the last minute peak driver signups rolling. So I know Zach Novak's going to be in there. Jimmy Mullis, I think uh, Matt Busa should be a part of that. Michael Guest, amongst others. So some big names are going to be running uh, Monday night, 6 p.m. over on the iRacing Esports Network where we broadcast that. And I think to run the Class D car with that little bit extra torque, a little bit more power for 500 miles, 367 laps at Darlington with the full day-to-night transition is going to be something that a lot of people haven't seen in iRacing before. And I think it's going to be a very compelling product that a lot of people are going to want to check out whether or not they watch it live or end up watching the broadcast on the van after the fact. That is going to be uh, something to watch for sure with uh, Mr. Zach Novak, who is, uh, I'm going to call him Mr. Darlington this week uh, because he's been smoking them. He's been absolutely in fuego. And oh, by the way, just as I'm looking at it, he's currently got the fastest time in qualifying for the Southern 500 right now as well. So if everything holds as is, he'd start on the pole. Molos is actually second as it stands. So. Yeah, I, I think he's got a pretty good handle on things this week, getting it done at Darlington and then just won the race on NBCSN a little bit ago at Rockingham, too. Yep. So maybe we got a nickname for him, uh, Mr. Darlington. I don't know. All right, well, let's jump into topics. Uh, thanks for coming on, uh, James Pike. But let's talk about the peak race and, and, and switch gears to Mr. Zach Novak. I think he finished second. Uh, but boy, he came up through the field two or three times there. And, uh, if he had another lap or two at the end, uh, he, he would have won that race for sure. Ashton Crowder was the winner. Uh, there was a couple different, uh, green flag, uh, pit stop cycles that got interrupted in the middle of the cycle by caution. And, uh, that really mixed up the field and the running order, so to speak. Um, and that's what was caused Zach to go, you know, have to come from the back and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, there were some drivers up front that you normally wouldn't see up front. And that made it very interesting because, uh, you know, there were drivers up there, you know, trying to get their first win. And it was, uh, Ashton Crowder who uh, pulled it off. Even he didn't believe it. Uh, his winning interview at the end, uh, he was astonished, you know, and, uh, but, uh, very excited for him, and uh, and Ashton did a, did a great job at the end uh, to uh, keep the lead and, and win it. I now, I got to see oh. this, the uh, last part of this, because I was at work. I saw I was watching it on my way home. Yeah, and I missed this race. All I got was uh, your guys in the, in the morning. I got your feedback on Facebook and stuff, or from our messenger and stuff from it. And for some reason, it, I got a negative vibe from it was... Was the race good, or was there something? There was there some stuff that was uh, not, <clears throat> sorry, not uh, that didn't go right in the race. Uh, no, the, at the end it was uh, incredible. I don't know about earlier in the race, but the last part, it was a typical NASCAR race. I mean, they had this huge up on their hood, uh, and 
it was kind of funny. I, I sent him a message, uh, a, a comment on his Facebook. I said, uh, hey, Ray, are you trying to go down a split, you know, or something like that? But, uh, yeah, I mean, he he got caught up. There was a big wreck that got a bunch of people involved, and uh, um, it was interesting. I mean, there was a lot of uh, good racing there at the end, and, uh, you know, Novak trying to get back up through there. I'll have to go back and look at it. Well, don't look at recap video that iRacing put out if you really want to see what happened in that race. I was pretty disappointed when I saw it because I like to go to the recap video to see, hey, you know, what the what was the action? Remind me what I saw and so I can describe it on the podcast. But what I saw when they put up that video was nothing about what I just described in that race. They didn't show the big pileup. They didn't show Ray on his roof. They didn't show the battle between Zach and Ashton for the win, nothing like that. And so you could even hear the announcers in the background talking about, oh, they're wrecking behind them, it's the big one. And then they cut and they go into this next scene, you know, and they don't even show what just happened, you know. And it's, it's very odd, but what I think the pattern is, is they're not showing any cautions or any kind of wrecks and they're just cut just cut out of there so it's kind of misleading to a degree um the race that they presented in the recap was not the race i saw when i watched it live it would seem like a different race now is this do you think like do you think it's feeling like those would be embarrassing to watch because like in real like in nascar they they you know mid-race they'll do a mid-race break and they'll just show you what it had gone up or had gone on through the whole race going up to that point, they'll show each caution why it came out. Like, it seems like they're afraid to show it's, you know, any, any of the true colors of the racing uh, from my racing. They had a wreck. It would, if they're wrecking, it's not because of something stupid. It's not like somebody turned around on the track and went the other way. Well, uh, there's speculation in the, well, obviously there's a forum thread about it where people are discussing it. I think one person said uh, they don't want to show the old damage model, you know, and so they just purposely are not showing any cautions or any kind of wreckage. And that may be the reason why, but honestly, I don't know. If they really were, if, if the damage model was so critical to them and that they really wanted for all these broadcasts, they'd get it out on the cars that are being broadcast, would they not? Not the cars that people aren't? using like you know when we see those videos those are cars that are very mm. seldomly used right like no for broadcast car for races no, but huge i meant for broadcasting wise david though like i mean the, the skippy the skippy car is not used for uh broadcast the f3 or the the f3 car like i know the the corvette and that sometimes will show up on those races but i'm talking about the main event races that are broadcast is you know maybe that they should be get working on the cars that they want to show if that's what they're afraid of but it was classic nascar i mean if this was a real nascar race and it was nbc they would be showing replays of the big wreck with ray on his roof because that's the stuff they eat up that would be the commercials and the the highlight reel and the sizzle reel and espn highlights and all that kind of thing well, and it gives that's when they get a chance to say, oh, the car, you know, this is where safety's gone in NASCAR and why the person's safe type thing. They always go to that. Well, I think it just, it just like you guys are all saying, I mean, it just takes an element out of it. it, takes an element out of the race. You don't know what happened. 
it's nice, especially, you know, you get guys tangled up like that and say not all of them are wrecked out. You want, you know, me personally, I always pay attention to see if those two are going to meet up again on the racetrack, see if they're going to handle it, you know, all over again. There's just, there's so much to that element that needs to get brought in there. And I think especially with the way the race played out too, that was sort of the big story to me coming out of Darlington, not to take away from what Ashton Crowder did, because it was a great drive that he put together, especially in the final 20 laps of that race to win it. But you look at the point standings right now, outside of Keegan Leahy, everybody else is at least 19 points back or more of Novak. And by and large, that was because most guys got caught up in wrecks. Jimmy Mullis got swept up in something early, as did Blake Reynolds. Bobby Zelensky didn't have a great night. Neither did Lowe or Luza. Conti, I think, got swept up in something late. So, like, I think especially at a case where Rex shaped the playoff battle, you would think they'd probably jump to that a little bit more, wouldn't they? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly my point. It's a recap video, and it doesn't even address the p- playoffs and, and the implication of all those people you just mentioned that were wrecked. And, and so it just totally shook up what we thought the points were going to be. Uh, they're, you know, completely shook up and uh, that wasn't covered at all. And we had no idea what happened to those people. And so, uh, yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I did uh, put a forum post in just to kind of let them know. But um, it was an all right race. I guess let's keep moving. We're going to go into World of Outlaws. Greg. So I guess they posted up first um, a, a, pr- a preview for the Charlotte race that went on last night. Um or the other night, uh, there were 50 laps, um, the $10,000 prize, and uh, a test session, I guess, with uh, Clint Boyer uh, in his dirt car. So um, they posted that up to uh, you know let everybody know what was on the line for the last race. And then they moved into uh, the review of the race. Um, so uh, Blake uh, Majulis won $10,000 an earnest chance to drive for Clint Boyer Racing, super late model. Um, so he he scored the title of the race, um, and then he was driving around uh, saying he was, un- was unbelievable. Um, maybe was his comment as he's doing his Polish victory lap uh, as he speeds around the dirt half mile. Uh, I didn't see the recap of this either. Uh, he, he won the race. Uh, I guess how it broke down is him and Bergeron both uh, took uh, heat wins and then uh, made a qualify. Uh, he had to come from uh, or the, who qualified seven it was uh, trying to think here, reading it here. Sorry. Um, anyways, I mean he was ch- the guy to beat throughout the yeah. race, but he and he won the championship. So I mean it was a it was kind of neat to see him do both. Yeah, it was a it was a very it's interesting to even look at the the point standings. I was looking on the page here, um, so they had the recap. So obviously he's won a bunch of races this season, but Kendall Tucker finishing second in the points without a, a win that's pretty good on his part. Yeah, he's been running top three, knocking on the door. Alex is in third with two. Kevin so, Dedman was right there. Yeah, it, it, it's good to see the. Um, that he got that it uh, looks like it would have been a good race maybe just to watch. I, I like I said I missed out on it. Uh, I'm, I watched I was hoping the, the recap video. It was pretty good. I mean, but it was the same thing about the peak recap. They're not showing the wrecks, 
And so whenever there's a caution, they just cut to the next re restart. It's ridic it's kind of ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, they were some beating and banging. It was kind of a tight track. Uh, it was mostly uh, uh, the top four in points were actually the top four in the race, I believe. And uh, they were kind of just mixing it up. But Blake was pretty much leading most of the race. Well, let's keep moving. Uh, off week for Porsche. And Jesse, uh, did it's off week for Ignite or? No, uh, I just looked it up. Uh, they were at Thompson Speedway last week, and now they're at New Hampshire. But there's very, very little details. Okay. They're, uh, I mean, I would assume they're in a hiccup still from the uh, issue they had with losing their Facebook. Yeah, they were doing a broadcast, and that took down the Facebook page. We'll talk about that later. All right, let's keep moving then. David, Josh Rogers, and company clinches the the team GT Endurance Championship. Yeah, anytime we're talking about uh, sports car racing, we're talking Josh Rogers. Um, he dominated the season. He teamed up with Richard Lido at Coda and won all six races for the season to clinch the championship. And just a, an interesting little additional note, Rogers, Castroleto, Benecki, Winnig, Vob, DeJong, and Backham, and Job, are among the dozen of drivers who will be competing this weekend's in this weekend's Porsche Sim Racing Trophy uh, at the ADAC Sim Racing Expo. Rogers qualified first in the elite competition, while Benecki and Ramps Musen were champions in the last two editions of the event. And we'll talk about Ramps Musen in the story here in a minute. Don't forget that name. All right, next up, the oldest sim racer in the world. I'm pretty sure, is Monty Smith, and he just had his birthday, and he is 92 years old, and he still races and hosted with his son and other people. I think they run Talladega, but uh, congratulations, uh, Monty, on another gear. It, it certainly is refreshing for me to look at Monty at 92 and think that I will still be sim racing when I'm 92, and uh, that makes me, that's a happy thought for sure. Makes me think of one of our old sponsors. Uh, they need to almost create another division for like senior senior racers. The extra extra old bastards. Super huh. senior. I think he might be in that league. I, I don't know. No, uh, I think I remember seeing this. This post he posts it up every year on his dad's yeah. birthday, and I've seen it. It's probably this is probably the all fourth ten years or fifth year we've here. had it on the podcast. Yeah. All right, Jesse, tell us what we saw Rasmussen did in Hosted the other day. Yeah, a little bit of a oopsie. Uh, the wallet's going to notice, but uh, hopefully not too bad with the discount. I would hope that he's going to get with, uh, looks like about 100 Hosted practices all at the same exact time. Uh, not sure what happened there, but plenty of room if you want to run Circuit of Americas. I just don't see how you could accidentally do this, considering how many times you have to click confirm when you're creating a server. Now, this is also something where, you know, iRacing can step in and just say, yeah, no, we noticed you screwed up. There's no sense in charging him for all those rooms. Do you think he did the batch deal? Well, if you look carefully, uh, they're not exactly the same times. Like six or seven of them are, and then, then they switch a few minutes and then six or seven more. They it's do like, stagger. It's almost like his screen froze. And, you know, when you're clicking and it's like, but it, get, it kept adding it, which it shouldn't because as soon as you click it, shouldn't it refresh? 
like shouldn't it take the information out it shouldn't just keep adding and adding and adding i i was hoping we could blame the beta ui maybe but oh, i don't know but uh no frederick is the guy who got invited to the uh sim expo and sure, so i'm sure irising will work with him but i was i found this actually i was in hosted looking around and wow i had to scroll 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 to get through all the list and all of these rooms were the same person the same uh car and the same track so uh how much money is that that's a hundred bucks or something or more how long were the session it depends on the length i think there were two hours i looked so it's probably 200 isn't it two bucks for that and the minimum of two bucks yeah well, and there were i counted there were over a hundred but you got you got the uh the volume deal in there isn't it like after four or something you get a certain percentage off or something so he's probably know. looking maybe 50 to a hundred bucks. I bet he's in the eighty dollar range. Don't forget that one guy who puts up the Talladega rooms uh, every day for years in a row. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, uh, say hello to Supra, Mustang, and Camaro. So Irising put out uh, on their Twitter page the uh, much anticipated video for the Xfinity Xfinity series. Uh, redoing of the cars and introducing the uh, new Toyota Supra, uh, which the video quality once again, iRacing uh, knows what they're doing when they when they put these videos out and how to make people uh, pull out their wallets. Uh, so it'll be nice to see these on the season four build. Uh, you know, the, the the video is just. You know, explained the showed the car, showed them racing around Rockingham and Darlington and all that, and uh, they looked really good. I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna be investing in the uh, the Supra. So, uh, what do you guys think? They look great. I think we're especially excited at Podium to see what they do. Uh, I guess the other, maybe sort of a minor announcement that we have that we can drop on the iRacers Lounge podcast is that our Oval Series. Uh, is going to move to the Supra Mustang and Camaro mid-season as soon as these drop, beginning with, uh, I believe, Auto Club is the first race that we're going to have after the build drops next Tuesday. So uh, we're very curious. And I remember when we were coming up with the design of this series, I made the point to all of our managing members. I said, look, with the way that I, I think it was Tony or somebody in the forums who said that uh, the Supra and the Xfinity Camaro and the Mustang were close, but they weren't quite ready to go for the season three build. I read that and I told our guys, I said, look, if they're that close at the end of season three, watch them come out in season four in the middle of our season and watch that through a wrinkle into things. And I'll echo what you all said. I think they look great. But I think the more interesting thing is whether or not it's going to change the way that those cars handle. We know that when the trucks came out, in season three, they completely retuned the engines to match the Elmore engines that they use, and it totally changed the way you drive any of the classy trucks, whether or not it's the Silverado or the Tundra. I don't think the change is going to be as drastic with these Class B cars, but I think it's definitely something to watch out for, uh, not just in the iRacing Slash Podcast Oval Series, but across all the official series in iRacing. I think it's going to be really, really fun to see how those three cars take to the track, and we're looking so, I, so forward to it. Yeah, I I agree. I think the change isn't just cosmetic. I think I think there is some kind of tweaks they're doing to physics as well. But I don't recall exactly what that was. But I I do remember reading that. 
Let's keep moving. Uh, the next up was a must-listen-to podcast. It was NASCAR on NBC by Nate Ryan. This week he had on Parker Kligerman and then Steve Letart. And the entire podcast was dedicated to iRacing and the Peak Series. Uh, First it was Parker. He talked the history of the Peak Series, uh, differences between RTA's Heat League, which is a console-based game, versus a professional sim. Uh, The Peak Teams, he said, are marketing teams. And the reason that they have those teams is really to promote the league. That's what they're there for. The idea... Uh, for drivers, start on console, do well in heat, get into iRacing, get to peak, move on to real NASCAR. That's kind of Parker's vision. Um, he talks about how real drivers can prep for uh, a race by going into iRacing, practicing, making moves, uh, building repetitive habits. And then when he gets on the real racetrack, uh, it's right there, you know, and it works. He did explain uh, a bit how iRacing is structured with official racing and league racing. Uh, there was, you know, always, you can always find a race to run. I mean, that was a question Nate Ryan had. Like, you can sit down at any time and just run a race. He was just kind of, you know, astonished by that. Um, he explained uh, <clears throat> how um, these uh, teams are a mix of real teams like, uh, you know, JGR and and Roush and whatnot, but also this motorsports figures, you know, um, like Kligerman himself. And esports established teams was another thing. Uh, as you know, there are a few teams in the Peak Series that are just like esports teams, and uh, and and there was a that was part of the plan. He said he, they talked about how the All Star Race on NBC came about the planning and ideas of how it came together. Uh, they talked about why they picked Iowa. They, they said they picked it because we could, you know, and it would be an epic event. It was a photo finish, and it, they were really happy because it did showcase uh, iRacing. He talked about how he got Jeff Burton involved in the team, and he had to convince him a bit to become an owner, uh, but eventually Jeff uh, bought on. Um, he talked about how he got that sponsor, um, the medical company, and how that uh, sponsor, uh, sponsor SteadyMD was blown away by how much exposure they got after that broadcast. Uh, they talked about how it, this could be an entry point for sponsors. And if they want to take it to the next level, then they go on to real NASCAR. But they can start with the Peak Series. Um, and he basically went on to say the dream is bring motorsports to the masses. This is a low cost of entry into esports. And uh, then it switched to Steve Letarte. And he said that he actually has been to the iRacing offices in Boston uh, with Junior once. Um, he has a cockpit with triples. His son races it mostly. iRacing invited him to be an owner. Um, he does have talks with his e-drivers, and he talked about maybe even crew chiefing for him during a peak race. Uh, he said he would want to run some uh, ch- uh, crew chief some A-races first, uh, learn the track and the car, Um he is looking at sponsorship. He said there is interest. Uh, he said that the peak races are getting 100,000 views a race. And with the NBC stuff, everything is blowing up. He said his wife was blown away seeing a bunch of people sitting in their homes racing. When you go to a Twitch stream, it is racing. And what makes it is the iRacing makes it with the real graphics, uh, the talent of the guys driving, the reality of the track, the cars, the setup, the tires. Um, 
He said, we've been blessed with the opportunities to create a platform with the financial backing of John Henry. Everyone at iRacing has the same goal to build a great product. It deserves this attention. Um, And he said, in this last one year, Peak has grown as much as the first nine. Yeah, everything really points to the fact that iRacing has hit critical mass as an esport. It'll be interesting when this year's over calendar year it'd be really nice to look at what they did in 2019 versus 18 and 17 alone i guarantee you the numbers are going to be a lot larger of a growth than in 2018 or 17 well you got to count the nbc stuff now right (laughs) right i mean views uh participation i'd I'd like to i'd like to say that they're they're growing a big number Especially when you consider all the teams that came on into peak mid-season, starting with Mode, and then uh, I think Dylan Esports came in as well. And uh, that, to me, is really what jumps out, that you would have thought that if it weren't necessarily just blowing up, that all your teams would have been established at the beginning of the season. But that, you had people willing to jump in midstream. says so much about the way this has grown just within the past few months since the start of the peak season this year. I really hope it's all leading up to Next year, they're going to broadcast on NBC the entire Peak Series. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think that would be a great goal. We're getting close. They're going to do the finale from Homestead, uh, I think, beginning of October. They just announced that right at the end of the broadcast today. So we've got one. Not too far of a step, I think, to get the whole series on there. And then more, hopefully. I hope that the Peak Series isn't the only one they do. Yeah. Very interesting podcast, guys. If you like iRacing... You should take the 40 minutes and listen to that. Uh, it's NASCAR on NBC by Nate Ryan. David, tell us about why AI will not be part of the season for build. Well, the why, I guess, is that, that it's not ready. They're still working on it. Uh, still a work in progress, but it's, uh, it's it had already been announced that it won't be a part of season four, and Greg West put out another reminder that he had already announced it, but they are working on it. All right, so that's official, official. Jesse, we got a Janet Watkins Memorial Race. Yeah, Janet Watkins Memorial Race is going to be September 26th at Iowa in the Cup Cars for 250 laps. Uh, Three sets of qualifying to lead up to that. Uh, Pulmonary fibrosis awareness is what they are uh, doing with this race, and it's going to be on the entry page I'm looking at here. It's going to be a $10 donation. And uh, I think, you know, every time I see these, these are always not only good events, but you know, for a good cause on top of it. So guys, get out there, get your entries in there, donate the 10 bucks, support it. It's awesome. Oh, this is a listener sent, sent this in, I think. Uh, it's americansimracing.com. Okay, Greg, we got Lando Norris on eSports and F1. So looks uh, ESPN was, uh, it's coming from an ESPN site. Uh, uh, Nate Saunders uh, I guess, interviewed Lando Norris. Um, so he was just talking about uh, how Lando Norris is leading the next generation of esports. Uh, I think we talked about this kind of like last week with um, William Byron, when we were talking about William Byron and him being known as that. Now, I guess on the F1 side, they're saying that Lando Norris is that way. Um, it, it's a pretty good read uh, for it. Lando doesn't get in he, he gets in a little bit of detail but he, he's hoping that driving in the sim racing uh works both ways or 
in sim racing, it works both ways for watching as it does for, you know, it brings people from Formula One to watch, um, watch it e-racing and then vice versa people who are interested in e-racing go and watch formula one um and then he hopes someday they actually have a championship that runs alongside of the uh, f1 um to go for it i mean that's a pretty good bold statement because you know you'd have to scan all the f1 tracks and i-racing and stuff like that but he said about esports in general so that could be you know they have other f1 games out there but it's just nice to see another professional race car driver being acknowledged for esports but this is also espn which is another big you know it's a big media outlet yeah pretty much getting to the norm with motorsports uh let's keep moving this time a forum post uh this one is a poll (laughs) i didn't like the title it said green white checker is garbage especially in those pickup races and it's a poll should it be turned off in class a uh, races yes or no 67% vote no and 33% yes I voted no what would you guys vote no the no. biggest thing yeah, the biggest thing that you could that it's gotten gotten away from is everybody get taking the mentality when once you get down within five laps to go uh, knowing that a, if a caution comes out the race is over and that can, uh, knowing that you might still have to race again it prevents somebody who might be in a bad situation trying to help their teammate out or just it just you have to be actually a little bit more conservative, believe it or not, until you get that white flag. Do they not realize when I'm reading some of these comments that they're talking the same way that things happen on NASCARs when they do or NASCAR when the actual green white checkers happens? There is no there is no give. It's it's take, and that's what you do when it comes down to the end. That's that's what the whole point of giving the green white checker was is someone's gonna have. You're going to be fighting for the win under a green flag situation. You're not, you're not going to just ride around. I hate finishing that way. I don't know about you guys, but I hated finishing around on caution, especially when you're, you feel like you could get more out of it and you got, you got trapped somewhere. I just love that one more chance. But what the, some of the thread uh, posters were, were saying, hey, maybe we just have one green white checker instead of three attempts on the A series and leave the three attempts for NIS. And so they did a different poll in the NIS series that said one, two, or three attempts. And the uh, votes on that one were 59% on the three. Not a big census of votes, but it's still, what was the point in them to, like, you know, if, if got, people aren't going to like the green-white checkers, what was the point in iRacing putting resources into creating it? It's there, it's built. They need to use it the way that NASCAR uses it if it's going to be something that, you know, it's it's a NASCAR event that we're racing in, so why not use it? Yeah, and what you have here with this poll is just a uh, another example of the same thing that NASCAR faces all the time. Whenever they make a decision, it's not going to please everybody. So you just, you've just you got a squeaky wheel here, but the vote says that they win the alone. majority. Yeah. The one thing that I, you know, from listening to a bunch of, podcasts that I've listened to and about, you know, NASCAR and F1 in the next couple of years are coming into, you know, an interesting part in their sports where they got to make decisions on their cars and, 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 and do their, it's right for their fans. Well, there's a lot of, you know, committees being created and things like that. It's same here. You know, these people are giving their opinions on it, 
But at some point, the sanctioning body just needs to make the, the choice for for them so that they to save themselves. You can't always listen to all these all these comments and things like that because you need you know just tell them this is the rules and you got to race by it. Yeah, it's a sim, guys. We're running NASCAR season for a reason. It's called the NASCAR iRacing Series. Why wouldn't we have green, white checkers? I mean, uh, it's silly to even consider this, but uh, let's keep always, moving. Always some form for something. Oh, yeah, there's always a squeaky wheel, right? All right, David, tell us about outages and whatnot. So we had a downtime on the 27th. There's not really indication to what it was for. They just indicated it was... For maintenance they had the test drive service up and we all know uh, it's week 12 right now which means week 13 is coming up as well as the season for release so iris will be going down on september 4th for the season 4 patch it's probably what they went down for the other day was just something that maybe they had to implement before they get into next week maybe yeah anything is a guess Okay, and then, uh, Jesse, we had some notes about the embassy broadcast that happened earlier today. Yeah, Tony Gardner with a couple different posts. Uh, first was uh, promoting the race, uh, letting everybody know, get out on social media, you know, share, 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 spread the word. Uh, as he says, do so. Uh, you know, the more exposure, the better at this point. Uh, just keep on, you know, riding the wave. Uh, second post, uh, also from Tony Gardner is that he, uh, posted, I believe a couple of peak drivers are actually doing the race Thursday from the Sim Expo in Germany at the famous Nürburgring. I think Keegan Leahy and Jarl Tien, who is in Europe anyway, will be based at the ADAC Sim Expo, Racing Expo. We will have an iRacing crew over there as well. Race spot will be there, etc. All sorts of things going on. And then the third post is uh, NBC Sports posted up a Twitter, or sorry, NASCAR and NBC posted up on Twitter a tweet of a nice uh, little uh, teaser video of some some of the battles uh, the last time that they broadcasted this at Iowa. Uh, some wrecks, some good battles, and uh, everything in between. Uh, these guys are doing great exposure in these videos. I mean, that's this this particular video. I think is uh, visually is really really good. I don't know what they did a little different, but maybe it's just something with the cinematics. But it's it's a it's a good looking video. Credit to Drew Adamson and company probably for that. I know he's behind a lot of the edits on the iRacing videos and I wanted to chip in. I can't confirm. I didn't see Tian on the broadcast, but I know uh, they did show. They actually had a shot of Leahy in his rig at the Sim Racing Expo, and it was pretty impressive to see all the stuff that they had put up for him at the Nürburgring. But Leahy was racing in his rig at, oh, probably about maybe 11.30-ish local time, I think it was. Certainly beats when I was broadcasting RSR, and I had to wake up at 3 in the morning to do those races live. Now, I was thinking, of if I was Keegan, I'd be like, man, I can't race without my own wheel and my own brakes and my own monitor and my own chair. I got to go sit in somebody else's rig and race. I mean, I'd be intimidated by di using different equipment. But I guess we got to remember Keegan is the guy who was using the clutch for his brake. That plus he's at the one spot in the world at maybe the one time of year where if there's anything that he needs there's probably someone that can get it to him. Right. And they probably have really good internet, right? I would think they would. That's almost a must. Well, they're probably hardwired there because you wouldn't want to do Wi-Fi at an expo like that because it would be interrupted by everybody else. 
running their signals around. So, uh, and then my final thoughts on the race today from NBC. Uh, it was a little different with the announcing um, with uh, Steve Letarte was in the mix the entire time. It was basically uh, two announcers. So it was the regular Pete guy with Steve. And I thought the flow was pretty good. It was much better than it was the previous week. Uh, Steve uh, is a is a professional, and he made it sound like it was just a regular Sunday NASCAR race, and I, it, it really adds a legitimacy to it that I, it just didn't have before. I don't know why, but um, I really like it when we get the embassy broadcasters to actually call the race. Do you think that the last one they were just kind of maybe feeling it out why he didn't do it last time, just so like he got to know how it was going to go? Like he's, I'm sure he's probably watched a couple of them, but you know, they, they kind of just had a feeling out process, let it go the way it normally does in the broadcast and don't add him in and make it, you know, ha have a problem with it, you know, you know, slowly work him in. And then this one, you know, they put him in on it and it seems to work out real well because he's, you know, they, they saw how the other one went. I think they had too many people on the first one, I think. And, and so now, yeah, you're right. I think he, he jumped in a few times on the first one, but this time it was just the two of them. Burton wasn't in there, I don't think at all. I think we also need to take note of the fact that uh, I think a lot of that first broadcast at Iowa was just making sure that they could do everything with Evan based out in Vegas running on Discord and that now that they had done it once, they were willing to you know take a few extra steps to try and get him more integrated with the NBC team so that that transition between people talking ended up going a little bit more smoothly. And I, I noticed that in the broadcast today. I thought... There were a few points where it was a little bit rough, but they definitely did a much better job this time. Although, granted, they went for it this time since last time it was just about making sure that it all worked and there weren't any hitches and that it all went off the right way. I'm also curious to know why, and probably will never get an answer why, but uh, curious to see why Chenneth and Terry aren't part of those broadcasts, whether or not that's them electing to step away or whether or not that's a production uh, decision. Uh, definitely one of the two, I think, for sure, but... Certainly something that I've noticed in the first few weeks of this. Could it be a timing thing, too? Because normally the peak ones are later on at night. And maybe be, early it, in the it, afternoon. Yeah, no, it, it could be. And I know, uh, I don't know where Terry is based in Canada, but Chenneth, I think, is based in San Diego. So, you know, you're getting what I think it was a 2 p.m. green flag for them for this. So if you're burying in work or something, that also could be, you know, part of the equation as well. I'd like to see him uh, bring Evan into Charlotte uh, to sit with Steve and, and have them together in the same room. Uh, that'd be nice. I have a feeling they're probably building to that. I, I wouldn't think they'd be too far off. And even then, I wonder if they would they take into the Charlotte studio or would they send them straight up to Stanford and go right in with NBCSN's crew? And maybe at that point, we'll get Chris Devota on the plane and we'll get her to make sure that she knows it's Pasoko, not Pasako, which she's done <laughs> in two races now. Now, do you think that this is all setting up for next season where they run it com the complete season? Man, I hope so. At some point in like a primetime time. Tuesday nights. Yeah, so like, you know, Tuesday night at 9, well, 9 p.m. Eastern, you know, that's primetime most, in most areas, right? I mean, in the West Coast, it'd only be, you know, six, six. but... What is NBC SN broadcast now at Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern? That's what we need to know. There's no dedicated programming slot at that time, to my knowledge. The only real thing they had midweek 
is Wednesday night rivalry with the NHL, but it, it's not necessarily a blocked off area. For the most part, I think it's Mika Auction reruns that I see at that point. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be next year, though. I would suspect that's probably iRacing's goal. But I do think at some point NBC SN is going to pick up the full peak season and we're going to see that broadcast live on TV. It just seems like, you know, they're gradually ramping it up more and more because what are they probably going to have? What do they say? Four four of them by the end of the season? I think Yeah, four total. Yeah, one or two more of these all-star races and then now you've got the finale that will be broadcast. Yeah, yeah, the finale. I think this is this NBC testing uh, that if they can do this for maybe next year, I hope that's the case. Uh, You know, if, if they have commercials to sell and they need content to show, this is a great way to for them to get cheap content for them it's cheap i'm sure or free i can't believe you know as you got to think about the production costs still like i mean it is down a little bit more because you're not people you're not going to have people out at the racetrack running all this stuff but you know they're one big hiccup from losing a whole feed right like you, that there's a lot of moving parts on a broadcasting feed to make sure it doesn't you well, know i'm sure they have a backup you know, playing, right? Gigabit fiber internet, that's your answer. But even the Peak Broadcast has a backup plan. You got Will in the UK, right, as a backup? To Hugo, who's in Brazil. I know Cisco's been backup a few times as well. So, but I, I think everybody's right. They're building to get it on TV. And it surprises me that Fox hasn't gone after it as much, given that with the whole Disney acquisition, it's cleared up a lot more space on Fox's network channel, which in turn you think would open up a little bit more space on FS1 for exactly this sort of thing, right? Could they be waiting till the start of next season because they they basically go quiet for most of the season, right? Like they're still what's like in Canada, we don't really have the equivalent to a Fox Sports. Like we have the Fox Station that they do the NASCAR race on, but do they still the Truck Series is broadcasted on Fox, isn't it? all yeah. year yeah so yeah. like we don't get that so you know that's the only involvement that fox has in racing after they lose their part of the season right yep i mean to some degree but you know with the way they set up the deal with the nascar marketing group they're pretty well invested a lot of NNG people are help out with the fox productions and uh, i think to be fair Yes, you don't have FS1 in Canada, but instead you've got about, what, six or seven different TSNs and like six or seven different Rogers Sportsnet. So uh, there's definitely the you know room on digital cable television to broadcast this sort of thing if people want it. Yeah, the problem is, is the Canadian television doesn't take American you know sports like that. Like they focus on their regions here in Canada. They don't, you don't get, um, you don't get NASCAR if it's not on like that Sunday that you get the Saturday and Sunday's races. You don't get, I don't, I'll get the odd, Xfin- you get the odd Xfinity race, most of the ones that are on there, but it's really hit or miss depending on the stuff. You miss a lot of the truck. You don't get any of the trucks. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, uh, we got another real race car driver to root for that runs the iRacing Colors. Yeah, so is it Alan Tur- uh, Tardif, I guess is how it's pronounced. Uh, he's in the late model series. And um, iRacer uh, Christopher... Running Oxford. Yeah, running o- Christopher o- uh, York posted a video of him going around the track uh, running the 46th annual Oxford 250. 
Love that um, paint. So Alan, I guess, was doing really good in the race. He led uh, 130 laps. Or sorry, he took the lead on 100 on lap 130, and then was leading up until 190 when he had to pit. Um, he said uh, the car wasn't the same after I guess he pitted, and uh, I guess it was a good showing. So it was a good little clip that they show the paint job, and uh, it's nice to see the colors, you know, out on real race cars again. Yes. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, they did post some photos of Barcelona, who's coming out here uh, soon. High-res photos. And, uh, boy, they are eye candy for sure. Um, I, James, I take it you're going to run the cup cars at Barcelona too? <laughs> it's definitely something that we could look at in a future series. Uh, certainly not something that we've got lined up for this season. But having been to the Second de Catalunya myself uh, in person, uh, to see this thing come to life has been one of the, uh, I'd say, better experiences of the year. And I think there are a lot of people that are going to be happy with this, especially your F3 and your Formula 3.5 Renault drivers. They're going to absolutely eat this place up. But uh, that's not to say that you couldn't have a good show with GT cars. And yeah, no, I, I think at some point, uh, we're probably at minimum going to do an exhibition race with this place. And I would be very surprised if it doesn't show up on one of our calendars at some point in the future. Yep. I have no doubt it'll be showing up on the GT schedules as well. I think we've already seen a hint that that's going to happen. All right, David, we got a, a fan video or uh, put up on the forums and it's uh, pretty nice. Yeah, it was mostly BMWs running around here running around the track they were all running the Mach 1 esports paint scheme um uh, they were running around Sebring that's one of my favorite tracks They're, they showed a lot of really cool action there was a really neat shot where you could actually see the heat haze coming out of the, the exhaust it was one of those views um they had some spin outs some crashes it was a lot of I, mean, I think they just you know ran on the track and ran a few different scenarios and just put together some really nice footage mostly BMW GT e-cars and a I think there was some kind of Ford Rallycross car or something, some kind of hatchback the in the video supercar. as well. Was it, it the supercar? Car. Okay. Both uh, the Ford and the uh, Holden. Okay, yeah. It was, it was a pretty neat video to watch. The camera angles are so unique. Uh, I was really blown away by this, um, by some of the, the unique uh, shots that he was getting, like you said, right behind the, the pipes and you'd get the heat haze or, and he had these really low shots that are down on the ground looking up at the car and uh, all these, uh, another one where he's kind of behind a fence and the cars are coming at him. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Richard kind of Miles is the guy who put it out. Kind of reminds me of where you can mount GoPros and stuff like that. There's, it's just like they put a GoPro wherever they wanted to with the camera. Right. It's, a, it's got a style to it like that. Um, very good, Richard. Uh, if you want to check it out, look on the forums at Sebring Action Edit. All right, we've got to keep moving. Greg, uh, tell us what, some details about that new Audi and it gets the new tire model. Yeah, so Steve, uh, is it Reese, uh, posted up in the forums, iRacing staff member, uh, that yep, the announcement that it's going to have the new tire model. Um, there's a it, it's kind of vague. He says in here that it's built on both old and new of the collision model. Um, so I don't know what uh, it's going to. They don't. They're not sure what it's going to be released with. But it's interesting that it, obviously when they're building these cars now, they're incorporating the new collision model to start with. 
Um, so it's good to see that that might be on these. Uh, this car has no ABS. Um, it has a handbrake, uh, no traction control. Um, and uh, so the, the car was built uh, as they were, they were, they were specifically built as it, the way it was scanned. So if they're going to have to do any penalties for class racing, they will do it as needed. Yeah, and they did. He did mention that they were fortunate to have real life teams and drivers participating in the dev process, and the car came out great. There was a follow up question. Uh, somebody asked, "Are we near the version seven tire model for the entire fleet of iRacing?" He said, "Now th I grabbed this because this is a rare quote about when they're going to release the new tire model, guys." It says, "Quote." The transition is ongoing as additional development of the V7 model itself continues in parallel. I'd imagine it will take a few build cycles to complete each and every car, but progress should speed up once development on the model itself stabilizes. Hashtag soon. Maybe by next Christmas. Is that what that sounds like? A few builds? A few builds. See, when they say a few, a few is a lot. It's more than two, isn't it? That's three, at least. Let's keep moving. Jesse, we're back. Finally, iRacing is officially back. And uh, they, uh, like we were mentioning on earlier, it uh, was due to a bug in the Ignite broadcast two weeks ago, which killed the Facebook page until today. But, uh, you know, lots of good memes on there of people, you know, glad that they are back and uh, us included, because that's the way to get the content out as quick as possible. All right. Let's jump into hardware software. We got a rig review. First, Kyle Larson. Yeah, Kyle Larson. Nice rig. Beautiful. Uh, no, that's a joke. Uh, nice old school looking desk. Uh, yeah, it's about what you would do in 96, 97, I would guess. Uh, Tony could say it could use some duct tape, though. So this is a picture of his parents' house. He, he put up a Twitter, back home at my parents' Here is my first iRacing simulator chassis. And like you said, it's a wood desk with a wood chair. You've got a keyboard, a monitor, a mouse, and uh, that's it. And a bunch uh, of junk. Some stuffed animals and a nice sprint car alley sign. I mean, he's got, you know, he's got the dust off up there. He's got all the essentials. Nice it's kind of interesting to look at all the junk on the desk, right? Well, Why does just... he have so much dust off? It reminds me so, so much of my first setup. I, I got in, in NASCAR racing, I think two it was, in the middle of 98, and I would come home from school at like 1 or 1.30 because I was only in kindergarten at the time, and I'd hop on my little racing wheel, and I was so short, so I've always never been the biggest person that I'd have to stick a milk crate underneath the pedals in front of the computer chair so I could sit and race, but I'd throw the pedals up on the crate and then throw the wheel in my lap and just go after it. I remember liking running a midnight in Rusty Wallace's car at Bristol a lot, but didn't really ever get all that great at Bristol in the sim. So I guess it didn't rub off, but I was like, golly, that's so, so similar. Now look at the second link guys. This is a YouTube video of a six year old Kyle Larson racing on the computer in January of 1999. And uh, Bristol, baby, he's got a wheel uh, attached to the uh, the little slide out keyboard tray. And he's got his Brett Favre uh, shirt jersey on and he's sitting there racing a little six year old kid. And uh, 
It looks like what NASCAR 2003 or something. Uh, not, well, obviously not 2003 and 99. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would that would have had to have been two, I think, just with the release, because three didn't come out till middle of 99, right? I'm guessing the way it looks there on the screen, that's two. Um, I don't think it's the original one. I think it's just two. Because the original be one, the original one was very, very pixelated. And ninety-four, and, I think, right? So it's 20 years later. Where have we gone 20 years later, eh? All the setups that people race with nowadays and everything. Well, it's interesting. Uh, him, you know, we're always talking about, well, who started on sim racing and made it to cup? Well, it looks like it's Kyle Larson. He was six years old when he started sim racing. So, and at the end of the video, the guy, I think it must be his dad or whoever filming, uh, you know, he's like interviewing him, you know, Hey Kyle, you know, how'd you do? And that kind of thing. And, and you can hear him talk and it's cute. So check the script. Uh, so you can check out that video guys. Let's keep moving. We got another rig review of another superstar, Greg. So like I was saying, fast forwarding 20 years later and you got Dale Earnhardt, uh, Doing some more modifications to at Carolina Simworks. I guess they posted it. I guess that's where he's at. Uh, working on. I think he's at Junior shop. Motorsports. He's actually at Junior Motorsports. It looks like, but it's uh, obviously a Carolina Motor uh, Simworks rig. Um, man, what a setup! So he's obviously running a fanatic. Is that a fanatic direct drive wheel? Um, and he's got everything uh did we figure out what those pedals were i was trying to no i don't know we they're never... inverted and they look pretty awesome though and he's doing the one of the pictures here he's just fine-tuning uh i guess he said a pedal rack from 10 years ago that he was uh that he's wanted to put in it so it's not okay it's i'm nice. calling stage photo there <laughs> i don't think that's a fanatec direct wheel drive either direct wheel I'm, drive. Trying, I'm trying to see but i can't well I think this guy, this Carolina Simworks, I think he does a lot of custom stuff. And, I mean, the seat says our seat on it, but I think it's a custom rig that he puts together. I don't know what kind of equipment that is, though. Well, he's got Fanatic Shifter that's, you know, I'm thinking it is, Dave, but I don't know. I don't know what the Fanatec uh, direct drive, does it have a yellow sticker like that on the top? No, it doesn't, and it also has a more, it, it doesn't have that grooved uh, corner. It's, it's like a square with smooth, smoothed out, cut out corners. Maybe it's, I might be wrong here with it. Obviously, he, there's more pictures and stuff about his, with his uh, MPI rim and uh, the new, and the dashboard. Yeah, the uh, dash and buttons on each side. Yeah. Nice setup. So I guess everybody should be looking for Dale Jr. more on his sim now. There's a receipt his... there. Can you see the price? Does it I not can't say, see it. Does it not say SimuCube down the side of that box? Yeah, maybe it does. I can't see. My I eyes can't. are bad. Yeah. But uh, I think this is a finished rig that he bought, obviously, from this company. And I think Dale just walked up with a, gr a metal grinder and just kind of put it against it and felt pose for a photo that's my guess i doubt that he's actually trying to grind this thing and make it his pedals fit as the photo alludes to 
Uh, I don't know. When you Junior is to... really into DIY stuff. Yeah, he and he worked so maybe in his that's why you... shop for years. So he's yeah. worked on his, you know, he's worked on cars most of his life before he was fully racing on them. So then that would mean he bought the cockpit without the pedals, and he's installing those pedals. Possibly. We need to get him on the show and ask. Get on that, Mason. All right, let's keep going. Uh, we got a new GTA, yeah, GTA Pro Simulator. This is at gtrsimulator.com. $544. Um, it's a stationary cockpit, so, uh, so to speak. It's uh, got a big flat place to put the wheel, uh, a tiltable pe pedal tray. And triple monitor mount, that's part of the cockpit. Keyboard tray, uh, shifting, uh, you know, shifter tray. That's actually a really good price to come with triples, like a triple mount and everything. That's a, that's a decent solid. price for a, a non-motion uh, rig. My concern about this is I think the monitors are too far from the seat. I'm also not confident how sturdy the, the pedal mount might be. Do you see how it how it adjusts is there? It's only and it's oh, it slides in and out. They're inc no, but they're increment uh, adjustments where you you don't get. It's not like you have to move it to the next notch. It's not you know. Oh, there's what if notches, you're right? Yeah. What if what if you like it right in between that notch? You don't get that sh that uh, flexibility. It does look like it has some adjustment, yeah, but not a bad price. I mean, for a full cockpit with chair, five hundred forty-three bucks. That last video slash photo image you're right mike i think those monitors are way too back far back yeah well but but look at how the guy is sitting in it i mean he he's got his back way back his feet are way forward i don't think the the cockpit is adjusted for him so maybe that's why it looks weird but that would definitely be a concern but why is he driving it like a low rider right that's like, what i mean it's like... if you tighten everything up I don't know if that chair moves. Does it go forward and back? I don't know. That picture basically looks like I tried to go sit in Brent's rig. Yeah. But look how far away his face is from the center where the center monitor would mount. It doesn't look like those that, that moves in any further. Like you'd have maybe the seat moves up further, but you don't, those monitor stands are where they're going to be. There isn't any flexibility on that to move in. See, my center monitor is literally above my knees when I'm in the car, right? And so in this picture, the center monitor is well, like, beyond your feet, almost. So, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of a weird one. But, David, let's go to the next one. A fix for VR world scale adjustment. So, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I noticed, kind of noticed this or not. You might feel like the, the car, in, when you're sitting inside it, is just living on the small side. I didn't go in and read the details, but if you want to check this thread out, it's, um, the reason I didn't go and read the details is because his fix was for if you're running through Steam VR, and I don't run through Steam VR. I just, um, iRacing just goes directly to the Oculus software. So, but uh, there's apparently a fix where you can make everything appear a little bit larger. Um, the way it is right now, I feel comfortable and I feel like I can get around the track, so I don't know if it's something I need to look into, but uh, well, uh, it's an interesting I, little fix. Yeah, I think it's for the VR where you have to use the Steam thing, the Steam VR. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I know a while back I tried, the one time I tried using Steam, v- Steam VR, I was trying to get overlays working in Steam VR, and it, the field of view was off and everything. It was all fish-eyed and running really laggy, so I literally only tried to run through Steam VR once. The reason I bring this topic up is the people on the thread who, who tried it were like, blown, there were people in here like, this changes everything. This, this fixes what I didn't know was broken. You know, everything is better now because of this fix. So if you want to check it out, search the forums for VR world scale adjustment. Keep moving. Jesse, a 3D printed SIM dashboard. Yeah, we got a post. Uh, Lucas Maria Morea uh, posted up that he designed and built himself a simple 3D printed version of a SIM dashboard capable compatible with SIM Hub and iRacing Pitboard. Uh, it's got a nice display at the top. You got a gear gear uh, indicator uh, on the left side. You got a nice uh, little readout of all your uh, temps and and tires and all that. Basically, it's the all-in-one is what it really comes down to. The right screen's got a whole nother batch of information. It's it's the all-in-one, everything you could want, all all on top of your uh, box right there, ready to go on the wheelbase. Yeah, and it's that Thingiverse. That's where you can download the file to 3D print it, so you don't even have to design it. You can take his design. He's given it away at this website, Thingiverse. And if you search Sim Racing Dashboard, you'll find it. All right, let's keep moving. Let's get into results. We had the off week, and now Darlington. Uh, Wednesday fixed, uh, Tony Rochette, P4. Kept bouncing off the wall in turn three and four. Got caught in the leader's wreck, put me down some horsepower, but still finished strong. Wednesday open, David, P7. Yeah, I was caught in a wreck early. We had a caution on lap seven and a certain character who I guess we, we don't name guys out, but he decided to stay out on old tires. Um, and then it gets a good start. And the second place guy has fresh tires and gets a good run on him. And the guy throws a block and then causes a wreck. And I'm caught up in it. And then and this guy also accuses the other guy of being too aggressive on early in the race when he's throwing he's doing using a bad tire strategy you don't go no tires at darlington with 10 when you're 10 laps into a race um and then he he throws a block and accuses the guy other but uh it was pretty silly i ended up three laps down also because i i had a problem in the pit road with another guy who thought his pits were closed for him they were open for me i turned left to get into my stall and he was still on my still on my left and it caused us to collide in frustration I sped and had to go server penalty ended up three laps down uh, stuck it out on the last caution I was the little dog and then was able to climb back up to seventh okay and Jesse P1 you win yes finally got the monkey off my back uh, I gotta think uh, before I go any further setup shop as always killer setup but Brent honestly last night or sorry, excuse me, Tuesday night, he uh, went and ran the uh, A Open with me, and he fixed my turn three and four big time, mainly three. I uh, was just butchering the corner, complaining about the car, and it was all the guy behind the wheel. So I got to really give him props, uh, get me squared away with that, because it definitely came in handy. I got that A win after his advice on Tuesday, and then last night backed it up uh, 95 laps led of 189, uh, settled in early, just riding uh, and i was uh moving to the front i started 17th 16th somewhere in there and i was into the top 10 in the first 10 laps 
I was riding. I wasn't even, I was really just trying to let the race come. And uh, I knew at that point we were uh, moving in the right direction. About halfway through, I moved into the top five and was settled in there. Probably lap 80-ish, I took over uh, the lead and I never really looked back. I think a couple of pit stops, uh, a couple times, a couple guys tried two tires on me and stuff like that, but could get guys with a run in three, but they couldn't make it stick below me. Uh, wanted to shout out Bailey Galanis. I want to believe his name. I apologize if I uh, mispronounced Galinas. it. Galinas, thank you. He, uh, he, he and I actually... Uh, were the two battling it out and uh, got into a chat with just him. And we were uh, talking the last probably 30, 40 laps. Great guy to talk to. And uh, he was the only guy that was able to make that bottom move work. And so it was fun to talk with him and, and battle it out. We were sitting there BSing side by side for about two full laps at one point. And, uh, you know, he unfortunately on the last green white checkered we, we got, he uh, got caught up in the mix uh, to my benefit because I think he would have got me back personally. But I was able to hold on right there at the end and get it done. Wish it would have been in a iRacers Lounge paint. I went with a throwback paint for the night. But nonetheless, I'll take the win. All right. So how, what's your count for the year? That's number one? That's the first ever NIS win. I've never won All NIS. right. Well, that's a hell of a one to win, the Southern 500, so to speak. I've never even gotten to the halfway point at Darlington in C, B, or A, ever ever even seen the halfway point so quite the turnaround this week yeah it's amazing when you get a a person that comes in and can tell you what you're doing wrong and it makes a difference oh good job brent nailed it yeah good job uh all right let's go get some more let's uh move on to today i ran thursday open with uh teammate craig craig got wrecked out pretty early i don't think he made it to halfway uh i was doing pretty good i was letting guys go uh, I just didn't want to be aggressive. I was trying to save the car and keep it off the wall, and I was doing pretty good. Uh, I think it was a lap about 116. Uh, some guys were getting into it up in the front, like at top five. Like two guys got into it together. I'm not going to name names, but they were uh, wrecking each other. And so the guy who went a lap down, he actually uh, uh, caught up to the guy who was in second, who he had a problem with, and they got, and he basically turned him, and then the guy said he was going to protest him. But when they turned each other and wrecked each other on purpose, I got caught up in it with about four or five other guys, and I had eight minutes damage, and I rolled around with eight minutes damage and finished P16. I got 90 points. My IR didn't go down, so it was top split. Um, So we'll see what we can do Friday with the Open. I'm going to run fixed tonight, though. All right. So, as we always do, we talk about our intramural standings at the end, which are sponsored by iPitting. iPitting makes it easy for you to keep track of your iRacing team's progress throughout the season with up-to-the-minute race results, point standings, and driver rankings for everyone in your team. Go to iPitting.com. And we had a few shakeups in the standings. Uh, Mason had a pretty terrible week at Michigan or at Bristol. Um, came and I had a pretty decent week, even though uh, my first I had the one incident, but the other race I had turned out pretty well. So I'm two points behind Mason as well. And Rosette is still hanging out with us, 14 behind. And Gregory Hectus has snuck into the top five and has, has been gaining every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's 41 points behind. I still say he's too far away, but I was over have to put a bait. 150 points behind at one point. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm going we'll the see. wrong way. <laughs> Mike is now in fifth, 46 out. And we also have a lead exchange in the NIS fixed. Mike is now in the lead with Brent oh, three points behind. And I'm the only Bill one running. It's 22 behind. Yeah, Brent took the week off. Uh, he's been running, but he did take the week. He took Bristol off. He just is like, nah, he didn't run it and fix it all. So, and when we kick in, after we finish the 25th week this week, we'll also start calculating our fifth drop week. So that could shuffle things up as well. Okay. In other official racing, David, you get your first A Open win at Indy. Yeah, as many times as I've been unlucky, uh, it was nice to have the luck kick my side up. I was actually damaged and was just kind of hanging on to the lead pack uh, on a on a late restart. Five of them are in front of me. I'm about half a second behind them. They all wreck, and I ghost through the car that was still on the wall and go through and take the lead. That was awesome to watch that replay of that video. They just took, they were all racing hard for the win. And they just, they, like you said, took all of, all of them out, all of them. There wasn't one guy who escaped it, except for you who just kind of drove through it. Yeah, I, it was definitely, you know, it's the white flag's already out. There's, there's no point in lifting and trying to save the car at that point. Uh, so so in, a, in a few hundred feet, I went from sixth place to first place. Nice win. Long time coming, too. All right, uh, Mason Stiver, he got wrecked out in the OSRA. And that's it. Final thoughts. Let's get into it. Greg Hectus. Uh, I took, uh, I said I was going to race last week, and I took the whole week off. Uh, it was a busy weekend, so I didn't get anywhere on the sim. So I'm looking forward to racing Darlington this week. Uh, so tomorrow night I'm going to get on and race with you guys. Um, yeah, so I just look forward to it. Uh, you can watch tomorrow night at uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's. And uh, yeah, hope to uh, hope to get another solid finish and uh, keep climbing up the board here. Uh, slow down in three, and it's flat the rest of the lap. Okay, David Hall, final thoughts. We didn't really cover it in hardware, but I uh, have that new Fanatec Club's Hort Shifter, and I was having trouble with it popping into the wrong gear a few times. And was it you, Mike, I believe, pointed me to a video? Or no, it was Joe, teammate Joe Owen, pointed me to a nice little video that, that fixes it. And so I actually took it apart and put in a little piece of duct tape on one of the circuit boards and blew it out. And since then, haven't been having any problems with that at all. Uh, not running as many races, obviously, because it's marching season. Um, and I got home Tuesday and literally was too tired to even try to, to turn any practice laps. I was asleep by 7 o'clock. But uh, got to run last night, and I'm going to turn a road Atlanta race tonight. Um, still getting my races in when I can. All right, very good. Jesse Gray, final thought. I just want to thank James for coming on. It uh, was a nice change of pace to have a broadcaster on here and nice to listen to uh, you know thoughts through him all through the show. It's a nice uh, change of all of us drivers talking and get a different perspective there and uh you know just so ecstatic about that win at darlington i still i mean i think i walked around the apartment for 20 minutes just pumped just all by myself it's probably probably a fly on the wall would have been laughing but i was it's i didn't i would have never guessed aside from a road course that at darlington would be where i was going to get my first nas win but you know i just just want to keep the momentum rolling and get another one now yeah isn't it odd when you win and you're a sim racer and you're alone and you're screaming and you're yelling and you're pumping your fist and you're jumping around and people, my wife thinks I'm crazy when I do that.
Well, my, my, I feel bad. I mean, poor David's ears. When I crossed the line, I keyed up just screaming. I mean, my voice cracked at that point and poor neighbors, if they heard anything, but yeah, it's, it's at the same time. I mean, you know, after all the time we've spent and all the work, you know, it's, it's so rewarding, but you're, you're in your, you're technically, you're the only one that knows what's going on. Jesse, could you repeat that? I couldn't quite hear you. <laughs> all right. And, uh, James Pike, uh, thanks for coming on today. Uh, what's your final thoughts? I feel terrible because normally I'm the one who comes up with the punny names for Final Thoughts, whether or not it's Taylor Burris' Burrow of Final Thoughts or David Schildhouse's House of Final Thoughts, and I don't have anything for myself here when I'm finally getting asked that question. So, uh, no, uh, this is something I've been looking forward to since we got it on the calendar with Mason and Brent, and it very much has been every bit as much fun as I expected it to be. Can't wait to get back on here again. Uh, been a lot of fun. Uh, happy to provide that sort of different perspective since uh, I think Jesse's right. We see it a little bit differently as broadcasters than the drivers do. And I think we get a little bit more of a top-down view of everything, which tends to sort of be my wheelhouse. I sort of think like that anyway. So I appreciate being able to bring my perspective to the iRacious Lounge podcast. And if anybody listening wants to follow along with Podium Esports, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podium Esports, so you can keep up with us there. And we hope to see you either at our Twitch channel, Podium Esports, straight up, or on the iRacing Esports Network when we're doing the Porsche Club of America Sim Racing Series real soon, or the Southern 500, or you know any other special events we have coming up in the future. But this has been fun, Mike and everybody. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're happy to have you again. Uh, yeah, that Southern 500, I believe, is on Monday, so look for that guy. Uh, watch the show and see what we think. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, don't forget about the show notes uh, where we have all the links of everything we talked about. It's a great way to listen to the podcast and have the show notes in front of you and open up and follow along. Uh, check it out. It's on the description of the podcast. Don't forget, podcasts are available in a million different places like uh, uh, Overcast, Spreaker, Podbay, Podfanatic, iTunes, Google, Spreaker, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it. Uh, we're out there, guys. So find it and listen. And make sure to share it. When you're in a race, tell people about iRacers Lounge. A lot of drivers don't know about it. Remember, we have a lot of new drivers coming in. And we need to get uh, everybody uh, listening to the show. So I appreciate everyone helping with that. And with that... We'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.